After years of hard work and bilateral negotiations, consumers in China can finally enjoy fresh blueberries from the United States, the birthplace of modern blueberry cultivation. The U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council teamed up with Pagoda, a leading fruit retailer in China, to hold a ceremony celebrating the arrival of fresh USA blueberries to mainland China, the first ever promotion of USA blueberries in China. Let's count down five numbers. Five, four, three, two, one. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the foundation being created for marketing opportunities for U.S. blueberries in China and what this means for the future of the blueberry demand in the country of over one billion people. This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. We're back with another international markets episode today and one with some exciting news. Some of you may have heard that we were thrilled to celebrate the arrival of fresh blueberries in China this past month. In order to continue to grow the global demand for blueberries, it only makes sense to further our efforts in one of the world's largest consumer markets, China. So joining me here again for this episode is the person who was spearheading this effort on behalf of USHBC, our very own VP of Global Business Development, Alicia Adler. Alicia, thank you and welcome back to the show. Thanks, Casey. This is an exciting episode. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we always get a tremendous response from the shows we do on our international episodes and with you. And I know this one will be especially exciting. So before we dive into things with you and our guests, I was hoping maybe you could set the scene for us a little bit here. There's a lot that we could unpack, but what is the history? What's the synopsis or the cliff notes of U.S. blueberries in China? Well, so market access for fresh blueberries has been a priority for the industry for over 20 years. It took many years of negotiating and seeking access. And finally, last year in 2020, as part of the phase one trade agreement between the U.S. and China, China and the U.S. agreed on a protocol to export fresh blueberries to China. And market access that was obtained in May of 2020, which was right ahead of the peak season for the U.S. And obviously the early season had already finished. So while there were some trial shipments last year, this season was really the season to launch a program and see how the market performed for USA blueberries. Well, and I know opening this market is requiring a coordinated effort from many different people. So maybe why is China so important for the blueberry growers and marketers? As you said in their opening, China is one of the world's largest consumer markets and a major consumer of fresh fruit. Just the purchasing power of the middle class in China far surpasses the United States and other countries around the world. 
And so obviously being able to access this market and sell produce there was a major initiative. You know, it took a lot of different entities to open the market. I want to acknowledge the state commissions, in particular, California, Oregon, and Washington, which have prioritized export market development within their own state and played a key role in developing the protocol that would work for those particular growing regions. The USDA Foreign Agricultural Service, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service, APHIS, and of course, the U.S. Trade Representative's Office. It was a you know great team effort to open the market. Blueberries weren't the only commodity that gained access. Avocados did as well at the same time. And so it's been interesting to see, you know, their unique challenges in developing the market as well as opportunity as well. Yeah, well, this is an exciting opportunity. In fact, we do have a short clip of the audio here from the event that was live in China. So why don't you tee this up for us, Alicia? What are we going to be listening to and, and who's involved? Sure. So a little bit of background on this event. As part of our program, the USHBC Export Committee set up a program in China. And as part of that, the USHBC has registered or initiated the registration process to be an authorized foreign NGO. It registered in China, which essentially required us to open an office in China and allowed us to conduct promotions and conduct a marketing program. That's a requirement of organizations like ours to have a marketing plan. As part of that program, we were looking for retail partners that were wanting to import USA blueberries and help launch the market and work with the US industry to get USA blueberries in the country and then ultimately you know, to consumers. Pagoda was the retail chain in China that USHBC partnered with. We also worked closely with the approved packing facilities from California, Oregon, and Washington. There is a registration process and an approval process through which U.S. suppliers need to follow in order to export to China. So we were working with the supply side with the industry as well as the retail side in China to really make sure that USHBC wrote along the entire process of initiating these initial shipments in order to make sure that we were there to help promote and launch the USA Blueberry program. So the event that took place was basically a store opening and a promotion launch with Pagoda at one of their retail stores. And the USDA Foreign Agricultural Service staff um, located in Guangzhou. Lindsay Malecha is the deputy director of the Guangzhou Agricultural Trade Office, and she attended and represented USDA. And then we also had Dan Seichman from the, he's our USHBC representative. He works for MZMC Marketing and Communications in China. And he represented USHBC because unfortunately we couldn't be there, which was just major FOMO there. <laughs> but I'm glad that they were able to be there and represent us. They represented as well. So this is a clip from Lindsay's address at the event. I'm so excited and honored to be here to join the Highbush Blueberry Council, our great friends at Pagoda, and consumers here in Shenzhen to celebrate the shipment of U.S. blueberries to China. It highlights the collaborative work between our countries that benefits U.S. blueberry farmers and makes it possible for distinguishing Chinese consumers here in Shenzhen and across China 
to enjoy delicious U.S. blueberries for years to come. Consumers in China have been growing more aware of the health benefits of blueberries, and consumption has been increasing dramatically in recent years. However, many people have not tried U.S. blueberries. As a matter of fact, and as you heard earlier, it was the innovation of U.S. farmer Miss Elizabeth White that the U.S. was the first country to cultivate blueberries. And the U.S. is now one of the top producers of blueberries in the world. Me and my colleagues across our four agricultural trade offices here in China are excited to work together with the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council and Pagoda, and on behalf of U.S. blueberry growers, to tell Chinese consumers about U.S. blueberries and their nutritional benefits. So, in conclusion, I'm delighted to welcome U.S. blueberries here to China, and really encourage Chinese customers to taste and enjoy U.S. blueberries on a daily basis. One cup of blueberries offers fiber, vitamin C, manganese, and potassium that our body needs, and a taste to truly enjoy. Thank you so much for inviting me to this welcome event for blueberries, and to help get the word out about blueberries across China. Well, that was awesome. I know for those that are listening in the audience who may not have seen this, and we can certainly provide some links to where you can watch this for yourself. But what a remarkable event, and really a testament to the effort that it takes to put something like this together. You know, even in the middle of a global pandemic, that. We were able to engage and participate in a a ceremony such as this for blueberries. Really awesome, and really congratulations to the industry for what sets a course in future opportunities in business for blueberries in China. So, Alicia, with that, I think I heard you say, and I know the answer to this, that we opened an office in China, and what that means for the future for USHBC in China, and in particular, we had some guests recently to our office. From BCI and and spent some time sitting down talking about why we needed to open this office, and so maybe help us、uh, understand a little bit more about the protocol there. So this year we've been working with Bryant Christie to help us navigate the FNGO process, so the Foreign Non Government Organization Registration Process in China, which is required of organizations like ours, as I said. Earlier, in order to have a marketing and promotion program, and really have a media relations program, and put our product and our organization out there, Bryant Christie is a familiar company with the industry. They also help with our technical market access needs, as well as MRL monitoring, which is, as you know, an important part of exporting. So、um, they also have good context of. What other organizations have gone through and the impact that it's had on their programs. So, they were here in the office to sign many, many, many documents. And Casey and I are leading, you know, the effort on behalf of the organization to represent USHBC in China. So that's why they were here to have us sign things. But we wanted to grab them before they left and really kind of get their perspective and their take. On why this is significant, why this was important, and what it means for our organization and industry long term in China. Well, I really appreciate this sit down with Shelby and Sarah. But before we dive too much deeper into these plans to expand our efforts in China, it's time for our crop report. It continues to be a busy time across the country and for our blueberry growers and their production. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Rex Schultz in Michigan, Doug Kramer in Oregon, and Brian Sakuma in Washington. 
This was recorded on August 4th, 2021. Hi, this is Rex from Michigan. And our crop report for this week, uh, we're looking real good. Everything right now, especially the weather, we've got the mosquitoes under control here. So we're very happy with that. Um, weather conditions are nice and cool this week. Uh, we're enjoying things. Our pickers are loving what's in the field. We have transitioned. Pretty much everyone is out of our blue crop now. And just starting at the beginning of the week or just recently, uh, yesterday, into picking first round of Elliot's. The volume on the Elliot's is really good. The sizing is good. And actually the flavor is really good right now. Process is real strong. Uh, machine harvesters are out there working hard right now on the first round. And uh, we look to be completed uh, with the first round about midweek of next week of the process. So basically all of our mid-season varieties have wrapped up and um, now we're into the late varieties being harvested. The fruit that uh, we are shipping out right now, we're running about uh, 3 million pounds a week. We've done close to 13 million pounds of fresh for the year. And uh, that is pretty much it for the crop report in Michigan right now. This is Doug Kramer reporting for Oregon. We're moving out of our mid-season varieties also and into the late-season varieties. We got Liberty Elliott and Last Call that we're going to be harvesting here shortly. Uh, there's a little bit of a lull between the mid-season varieties and the late-season varieties, and so everybody's trying to catch their breath. We have had, continued to have, hot weather in the last week, but they are reporting, uh, forecasting cooler temperatures and maybe even a little bit of rain. Other than that, SWD and disease are well under control, haven't been a problem all season, and we still got quite a bit of fruit moving through the fresh, on the fresh side of things. And on the process side of things, the packing houses or the processors are put pretty full right now trying to get the last of the mid-seasons processed. So that's my report for this week. Thank you. Uh, this is Brian Shakuma from the west side of Washington. We're finishing up our drapers. They're starting probably the mid to mid-late varieties, Calypso, Liberty. Weather's been fairly cool. It's looking like we're going to have some rain come Friday. Uh, we're looking at maybe seven to 10 days out getting into our Elliot's and uh, last calls and auroras. In Eastern Washington, uh, they're finishing up the last of the draper and have moved into the last varieties of last call in Aurora. The weather's been fairly hot. People are still picking fresh. There's been some of the, the mid-season stuff that's being put into the freezer. But it seems like right now there's a fairly equal split going both ways. And if the quality is on the last picks are down, they're probably just going to the freezer. But, you know, the last of the late varieties quality is good uh, and is going fresh. And that's my report. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. 
We've made the snapshot view of USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. Make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Okay, Alicia, let's get back to our conversation with Sarah and Shelby. Today, we had Sarah Jelby Hooker, as well as Shelby Sackett from Bryant Christie, their Sacramento office, which is close by. It's been great to have them in the office today to help us sign a lot of documents with the oh, notary. Man, that was so much <laughs> um, but, it, but it was great because we're able to kind of end the day on a conversation about what today meant and what it's going to mean for the future for the blueberry industry. So welcome, Sarah and Shelby. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thanks for having us on our first uh, podcast experience. But we were really excited to be here today with you all and witness firsthand what is a really important first step. What Alicia and Casey did today was sit down with a notary and not sign their life away, buy a house, but really take the step to open an office where the U.S. highbush blueberry industry is going to be represented in China our team at Brian Christie, Shelby and myself, we worked with Alicia to identify an agency in China who's been on the ground also as a part of this process. And when we have this set up, USHBC will be able to implement full-scale market development programming on behalf of the industry. And with China being such an important market with access just being gained in the last year or so, we see a lot of opportunity for the U.S. blueberry industry to take advantage of. And unfortunately, there's a lot of paperwork involved um, in making sure you're doing everything by the Chinese government's processes, but you're doing it all the right way, and we're happy to be helping. And from obviously my vantage point, this is somewhat of a new expectation for us. It's not just that this is an opportunity for us to kind of walk through a door that's been open for market, but the expectation of us establishing ourselves was set in a way that required us to actually open an office in China. So uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about why that had to take place the way it did today. Sure. Foreign NGOs in China are governed by what is called the Public Security Bureau. And basically, the Chinese government is really interested in understanding what foreign entities are doing in the Chinese market and making sure that those activities are not going to ruffle any feathers or go against their own initiatives and priorities. And so in each city jurisdiction, there is a public security bureau office, essentially the local police, and they're tasked with keeping tabs on the foreign organizations that are active in their jurisdiction. And so in order for USHBC to do retail promotions or media campaigns, the public security bureau in Shanghai needs to understand what you're doing and why. And so there are a few different avenues to go about making yourself legal or official as an organization. And the USDA kind of explained a few of those options to USHBC and other cooperator groups that are representing different agricultural sectors. And though cumbersome, in fact, registering an office is more of a pathway that we've seen people take because you will have, um, a liaison essentially with the Public Security Bureau who will understand what you're doing on a regular basis and know, oh, those are the blueberry people and this is all approved in their plan and you'll be able to carry that out, you know, with an ongoing dialogue with them about what you're doing. 
that's pretty incredible. It it is. And I'll, and I'll jump in too. You know, I remember when this lot it's new within the past five years. Right. And, you know, when it came out, there was a lot of questions and, you know, a lot of cooperators, which is what we call other commodity associations were curious, like, does this apply to us? Is it going to be enforced? There's still a lot of those questions. And, you know, what we've learned is that it is being enforced. It's being required. You know, the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council is an instrumentality of USDA. But according to China, you know, we're a foreign non-governmental organization that needs to complete the process. And as we launch our program there, it really affords us the opportunity to have access to conduct all the activities and really reach out to consumers in China and communicate our message without fear of any problems. Well, and I think for our growers who are listening, what it does is it meets an expectation of what USHBC is about, right? We're a resource that opens doors of opportunity. This is one of those doors that as an industry to really establish yourself in China, you have to open this door or unlock the door. And that paves the way for the rest of the industry to feel like they have the permissions for our marketing efforts to be there and really to, you know, go further than any one entity would by themselves in promoting and getting the consuming public there in China excited about blueberries. And so that really was, I think, what was approved by the board and by the committee for establishing this this office space there in China. So kind of a big deal, right? Yeah, I would say so. You know, it really is going to be making what you're doing in China official. And we're hoping that means getting blueberries over to China and opening up more doors for the industry. Yeah. Alicia, if there are folks that are either, I can't imagine hearing about this opportunity in China for the first time, because we've been talking about it for a long time, but if the opportunity of opening an office is encouraging to them uh, as to you know what it takes to sell blueberries in China or why we see the market opportunity that we do in marketing in China that would warrant an office, What is your sense of next steps or where do you see our growers having opportunities to get engaged on this program? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll just say I already see our program being put to use. I think, you know, with Sarah and Shelby's help, we've retained an in-country market representative, not only to help us through this process, but really help develop the market and establish a program. You know, uh, U.S. fresh blueberry suppliers are required to register and demonstrate to APHIS, the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service of USDA, that they can comply with a protocol, which is part of the agreement with China. So we have um, a list of exporters. In fact, you know, that list has grown even since last year. It's a similar process to Vietnam and Philippines, um, a little bit different, but we do have those available on our website. So you can see the approved packing facility. It's a packing facility registration process. But through that, we've been working with those approved facilities to help connect with importers and connect with retailers that could help promote the blueberries. We had a webinar actually two weeks ago that we had with the approved exporters that participated, as well as Chinese retailers. And it was a great conversation in real time, you know, in the evening in California and in the morning in China. And we got to actually talk about what the prospect for the blueberry industry is. You got to hear from the suppliers 
And then you got to hear from the retailers who know their consumers. And so we had that dialogue at the same time, you know, we're helping exporters and growers ensure that they can comply and that make sure that we can help promote their product when it arrives. This, this is really the first season that we're going to be entering the market. And I've been really pleased with MCMZ marketing who's our representative and her and her team has all the connections that the industry needs to help facilitate trade and help, you know, promote and move volume. So this is a part of the overall approach and having completed or almost completed the step of registering and having an office allows us to take on those additional activities and support to the industry. So if this is something you're interested in as a grower, as a packer, reach out and, you know, that, that's what the council's here to do is to help provide those services and resources. We're going to take a quick break here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Let's talk promotion at its best. And that starts with pie. Just the word itself resonates with consumers. And last week, as the final crowning touch to National Blueberry Month, USHBC announced the winners of the America's Best Blueberry Pie Contest. In just 29 days, we received an impressive 234 recipes from blueberry fans across the nation. The grand prize of $10,000 and the official title of America's Best Blueberry Pie went to 81-year-old Barbara Estabrook of Appleton, Wisconsin for her ginger and spice bubbling blueberry pie. The contest judging process was pretty cool, featuring the expertise of culinary professional Gwyn Galvin, along with our own USHBC chair, Shelley Hartman, who gathered a pastry chef team to narrow it down to five recipes. Our influencer partner, Tegan Gerard, a New York Times bestselling author of two cookbooks and the Half-Baked Harvest blog, served as the final judge selecting the winners. And the promotion? Half-Baked Harvest shared the delicious mouthwatering recipes on her Instagram posts and stories with initial impressions of close to 2 million. Just because National Blueberry Month is over, we aren't finished with this promotion yet. USHBC will capitalize fully on this opportunity as we move into fall and the winter holidays. Come on, the best time for pie. As well as National Pie Day in January and the National Blueberry Pie Day in April. The recipes are all over our consumer website at blueberry.org. So please join us and share with your audience to get them loving blueberry pie. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Back to you, Casey. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to our interview with Alicia, Sarah, and Shelby. As our growers are considering, you know, the work that went into this, is there anything else that they should know about, you know, the opening of the Chinese market that you're excited about for them? I guess I would say just... Opening a new market, obviously, it's been a really long journey just to get to where we are now. And if you are a first-time exporter to China, which you would be, it takes time to develop those trade connections, to develop those relationships, and to really start for exports to kick off. But I hope that each season, you will see progressively more and more opportunity in the market um, just something that we've seen in our work is market development work. Uh, you get out what you put in. It's an investment. And the more committed you are to developing the market and 
the more passionate you are about it, then those sales opportunities will hopefully come in turn. So I'm encouraged by what you know, we've been able to be a part of thus far. And I hope that the future is bright for the industry in, in China. I would agree. It's a commitment. And while we sound optimistic in this conversation, we're also realistic. There are many trade barriers, especially with China right now. We still face the retaliatory tariffs. There are increasing regulatory barriers. Even the packing facility registration process can be a barrier to some just having to comply with that. It's important for the industry to understand this is part of our long-term plan. The market potential in China is huge. There's enough demand, untapped demand for all aspects of the industry to participate in and benefit from. And so that's really what we're working toward is kind of opening those opportunities, which may seem really difficult right now, but they're there. And like I said, this is the first step, but this is going to take years to develop. And, you know, that's really what the export committee is, is looking toward is like, what can we do within five years, 10 years, where can we make the Chinese market? And that that's their goal. Yeah. Well, and it's ours too, in terms of just making sure that, you know, recognizing that there needs to be a dedicated effort by those who are making this commitment with us in having a presence in China, because this is not a race, it's a marathon, but lots of opportunity for those who are committed to do it. So exciting, Alicia. Yeah, it is. And I'll I'll share, you know, David Arena, the chair of the export committee says we open doors. That's what the export committee does is opening doors to export markets. So this is really what, you know, is driving this type of activity. All right. Well, we appreciate both of you and the work you're doing on our behalf in opening those doors and the commitment it'll take between this team over time to, you know, make sure that it stays open and, you know, hopefully we get some tariff reduction. I don't know if I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, a lot of work in that. Yeah, but it would be ideal to help us, uh, you know, open the door wider. So exciting times and hopefully we'll have more to report on as things progress here later in the year. So thank you both for being on the podcast. We'll share more as we, as we move along by our fall symposium and board meetings, we'll be able to share hopefully a really great story. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Well, I really appreciated that sit down. I know we had that, you know, a couple of weeks before we actually got to do the event there in China. But Alicia, before we wrap things up here on episode 59, what else would you want to share with our audience about the work ahead here in China? Well, I mean, I'd like to share kind of what I've learned along the process, both in working with the suppliers and the buyers in China, as well as having the great insight from not only Brian Christie, but also MZMC Marketing, um, our team there, is that, you know, we all know that there's a very high tariff, 75% on U.S. blueberries to China, and it ranges from 70 to 75% across all of the form. So that's already a significant barrier to exporting blueberries there. Um, That means that our berries are expensive and that the consumer is going to expect value for what they're getting and what they're paying. And so along this process, we've really learned about the specs, the preferences of Chinese consumers, and how carefully the buyers are looking at the supply. And I've been really 
you know, impressed with the industry's attention to those specs. And they understand that meeting those needs, meeting those specs are important. And this is a long-term process. The U.S. industry is evolving. There's new varieties. There's new sizing. There's new flavor profiles. There's there's a lot going on in not only breeding, but also packing and distribution, transportation. And so even these initial shipments, both the smaller shipments last year and the shipments this year, this initial shipment that was in, um, shipped to Bogota was successful. Consumers bought it. They, they sold the product and they want more. And it's really up to the industry to meet that demand. It's their opportunity to lose. And so as the USHBC, we have these amazing resources, both in grant funds, as well as our industry dollars that match the programs to help the industry and be there right alongside them to help promote the product because it's a great product to promote. We all know that. And the quality is there. So, you know, it's a different market than our other established markets, but we're learning a lot in the process and it just takes a lot of care and handling to get there. So we're going to get there and you know, it's just been really promising to see that despite the barriers, despite the challenges, consumers love USA blueberries and they want them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think what I heard you say too, is that, you know, despite these barriers, despite these challenges, the market's open and we're seeing success. And uh, that success can be even further realized, you know, with the kind of support and focus that I think we're trying to bring to a united effort. This has been a great episode, Alicia. Hats off to you and your team and certainly, again, to the rest of the industry who's coming alongside this opportunity. It takes leadership, and I'm excited to be you know, a part of leading the way uh, as USHBC into the China market. Well, that's it for episode 59. If you or your company are interested in learning more about the China opportunity or any export markets, feel free to reach out to Alicia. She's a tremendous resource to the industry about accessing these global markets. You can find all of her contact information on our website at ushbc.org. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.